Everybody doing good on September? Almost coming to uh, uh, a close before too long. It's, uh, it's working. Getting colder, and I like that. How many like the leaves changing? I like that. PK and I like fall. We like the seasons and, and uh, all of that. So it's good. Let's say a big welcome to our, our online people that are watching us. God bless you. It's good to have you with us. And uh, so always good uh, just to, to talk about God. We, we've been talking about money for the last five weeks, including today. We have one more week. Uh, next week is we're going to talk about multiplication. Uh, we're going to talk about how that works and, and how things happen. And uh, so that's going to finish up our series. But we've talked from the beginning about fixing, you know, the money thing. If we can fix the least of these, so many other things get in line when we get our stewardship right. And so we're looking at our heart. We've talked about that. We've talked about putting God first. Today we're going to talk about, the title of this is, Am I Generous? And it's in first person uh, because it's kind of odd if somebody says, hey, what was the message about? (laughs) Are you generous? Rather than... Make them feel awkward. We have to look at ourselves, don't we? Before we really can start, you know, we really shouldn't be pointing our finger at anybody else, but we'd be looking at ourselves, and we're finding out that faith is working. Now, we are getting some reports where people are like, this has been an amazing, uh, you know, me learning this. I had one guy tell me a few weeks ago, he goes, you know what, I possibly have not been tithing for years and didn't know it. And so he's making some switches and some changes to give God first and, and to do all of that. And, and then they're finding that there's blessing that comes with all that. So uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. So let's get into our story a little bit. Now, when I say story, it doesn't mean these are made up. These are in the Bible. These actually happened. But I want to kind of set the scene. We are talking uh, about Lazarus. Uh, this takes place where Lazarus was when Jesus raised him. So this is, you know, he's, this is back in that time. That was chapter 11. If you remember, Lazarus was dead four days. Jesus came on the scene. And Lazarus come forth, came, comes out of the grave. He is well now. So this is two months after that. So two months have passed since Lazarus came back to life. And this is where we're at now. So Jesus is uh, uh, in a room, and here's where we go. John 12, 1 through 8. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served... And Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. And not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Because of this, what is going on, we get to see two hearts. Two hearts kind of, we get to see, you know, what their motive was. Now, 12 ounces, just to give you an idea, a pop can is 12 ounces. So if you're, say, if you're a big Mountain Dew fan, and I took Mountain Dew and I just poured it out on something I guess you didn't see deem worthy, you'd be like, what, dude? Juice from heaven, what are you pouring it out for? Um, But that's about the size of what you're talking about. So this is really expensive perfume. You think of 12 ounces. And most guys don't have an idea about 
cologne or perfume about price. At least I don't till I have to go buy some. And then I'm like, they, you know, some little bottle, they're like, oh, this is $45. And it's just some, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, wow, where do they get that from? But I, I don't know how it's all made, don't know any of that. So, we, I mean, it gives me kind of a, a perception of, of what's going on. So we're looking at two hearts here. We're looking at a, a very giving heart, a very generous heart, and we're looking at a selfish heart. So both of them, because of what's happening, are on display now. They, we get to see both of them. So how do we really see a heart? When you can see somebody, what they really mean, their motive behind it, what they do, how they, uh, whether it's spending money or how they act, how, what motions are behind it. If they're nice to you, but you know they're not really nice to you. Anybody ever have anybody like that? They're just nice because it's just, you know, how about somebody that's just nice to you because they want something? They don't speak to you when they don't want anything. That's always fun, isn't it? So we're able to see hearts by that. We're able to see what's important. Um, so anything we do when it comes to giving or, or you know, compliments or whatever, um, it, it helps show our heart. So because of what Mary did here by the oil and the perfume, so two questions come to my mind. Here's one. Why? Why did she give the extra? I mean, would Jesus not love her anyway had she not done that? I mean... He's friends with the family, you know what I'm saying? So, but, but in her mind, this is what she's supposed to do. So we, we got to think, why did she give us an extravagant gift? I'm sure she knew what it was worth. And here's the other one. Why did it make Judas ticked off? Why did it bother him? What made him so upset about it? So, you know, as we look at what's going on, I'm going to talk about three things today. Concerning generosity. Here's our first thought today, our first point. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. The enemy of generosity is selfishness. When we were babies, we learned it. That's mine, 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 mine. Yeah. I mean, we, we've all been there, done that. When I was a kid, we played marbles. Anybody ever play marbles? See, my kids don't play marbles. You know, sometimes they think I've lost mine, but I'm just saying. The, you know, playing marbles, we had a circle. We'd make a circle. We'd put marbles, and we always wanted to get the puries or the, depending on the cat eye, you know, or steelies. I mean, there's all kinds of things, and you'd, you know, try to knock the marble out and all that. And then once they were yours, people would want to get that because it was valuable to you. And I mean, huh, that's mine. I'm not playing with that one. Have you ever been with somebody that's just like, hey, that's my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. Worked at Cedar Point two summers. One of the summers I worked there, they had us in a dorm. Five guys in a dorm. Guys need to understand deodorant. I mean, you're rooming with guys that you don't even know, and you're like, dude, I will let you use my deodorant, please. That has nothing to do with the message, just saying. But anyway, in the refrigerator, you know, we had one refrigerator, one stove, and a kitchen in there. And, I mean, I'm with four other guys I really don't know. I knew one guy, three guys I don't know at all. And so we had stations in the refrigerator that was where we put our food. Like, my station was here. This was my food. Somebody was always eating my food. And I'd be like, Who, who's eating my food? None of them knew. And I trusted the guy that I knew. He's like... I'm not eating it. All the other guys, nope, don't know. Don't know what to tell you. But somebody's eating the food. 
because it was mine. We have that selfishness in there. There's, you know, I'm not saying I'm perfect because I'm far from that. But I'm, you know, now I would probably be like, hey, stay out of my food. Or I'd be like, fine, you can have it. And then I just made sure I probably wouldn't have done it anymore. Does that make sense? Just go ahead and enjoy it. Hope you choke on No, I wouldn't say that. But I'm just saying, nobody seemed to know. So we, we, we come with this selfish attitude. But selfish looks out for self. Selfish promotes itself, protects itself, provides for self. It looks out for number one. I'm going to get mine. You see, selfishness is a spirit, and it's trying to take the place of God. God wants to provide for you. God wants to protect you. God wants to look out for you. And we do that when we give our heart, ourselves, to the Lord. Sometimes when we have grown up with things, some of you have grown up in harder times than others. You know, thank the Lord, my kids have only heard and studied about wars for the most part, but never had to, some people in here have had to go through them, serve in them. They've been through stuff. My, my nephew has went through stuff, and, and then now to this day deals with stuff because of that strongholds what's a stronghold stronghold i looked that up it's a fortified place for the enemy in other words maybe something you grew up and you didn't have anything and so to have something now is you know that's mine that's mine no no you can't touch that and really what somebody else's junk could be somebody else's treasure we know that and what's valuable to you may not be valuable to somebody else but to you it's but You understand, if we're not careful, we can form strongholds, places where the enemy can get a foothold and can say, okay, I can get through here. Sometimes that's been built up over the years. You got hurt in church, so there's a stronghold there, so now all church is bad. You got hurt at work, or you were picked on, so if anybody says anything that's close to that, even though maybe they didn't mean that, How many understand what I'm saying? There's things that the enemy will just use to be a launch pad. We have to keep our eye on what God is wanting us to watch and what he's wanting us to let go. So Judas says this. Why wasn't that sold and given to the poor? Have you ever thought like that? I mean, if we're honest, I think we all could have said, oh, yeah. Why? Now, I had a guy I I was pastoring in another town. (laughs) And he came to fill the pulpit while we were going to be gone for a short break. And he met me at my house. And he walked into our house and he went, man, I'm going to become a senior pastor. And it bothered me. And so I went around. I took him on a tour of my house saying, let me just explain something to you. See this table? We got this table because we were in a car wreck and insurance got us this table. Hey, do you see this over here? And the Lord rebuked me hard for that. He said, you don't, have, you don't owe him anything. You don't have to explain why I've blessed you. Now, he didn't put us in a wreck or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, you don't have to do that. That's part of his heart. I want to show the, the goodness of God. You, you know, I think if we showed enough goodness of God, we wouldn't be looking at these empty sections. If we were doing everything we're supposed to be doing and showing how good God is, maybe people would be like, I got to have some of that. So I said, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't, you know, and there's a story of another pastor. He had a guy filling his pulpit and he was driving him over to the 
church or something, the guy looks over and he says, oh, man, look at that house. That house is huge. And, he's, and the pastor that's driving, he said, hey, I know the guy that lives there. Wonderful brother. The guy said, he should sell that house and give it to the poor. The other guy that he's driving. And the pastor rebuked him and said, what? He said, you, you, why don't you sell your house and give it to the poor? And the guy looked at him like, what? He said, you know, that's what we do. Isn't that what we do? We make a judgment call on something. He said, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you his percentage of giving is far greater than what you ever thought about giving. And you know who started that phrase? That should be sold and given to the poor. Judas, and he's the one that betrayed Jesus. And the pastor's like, I'm so sorry. Because that's what happens. We get in this society and we start looking at, oh, they shouldn't have that. They shouldn't. And I'm not saying you should have gold plumbing or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about selfishness. We've talked about a lot of this stuff about blessed people. And, and when we're obedient and we use faith, God blesses you. That's the fact. And we'll talk about that here in a second. We've, we've said this. We think, well, they have a lot, so they should give a lot. No, they give a lot. That's why they have a lot. That's what we have to change. We have a mindset for 30-some years or more that is just like, well, it's okay. You know what? God's trying to teach me something. He's teaching me humbleness, and he's, he's put this sickness on me. God doesn't put sickness on you. That's the enemy. And you've got that distorted. Well, it's, you know, everybody does this, so that's just part of life. If you want it to be part of your life, but wouldn't it be great if we could try to restructure our thinking and say, God, there's got to be more? Maybe, just maybe, I've missed something? I know that's my heart. What am I missing, Lord? Jesus, he was looking for a place in the kingdom. The disciples talked about the kingdom. And after the resurrection, they said, okay, are you going to set it up now? Is now the time? And Jesus said, you know what, just chill. When I set this up, when Dad and I set this up, you know, that's when you'll know. But that's what's happening in church today. This is what's frustrating, you know, it's like, ah, oh, because churches, people shop churches like they do restaurants. Well, I'm going to just see, and I get it because you need needs met. I get it. But if all we're doing is trying to meet your needs and not following the one that is the need meter, we've missed something. We need to, st we need to stay strong with what God wants us to do. We need to stay strong and say, this is the word. This is what we're doing. And, and yes, do we go after people and we love, we want to be seeker friendly to a point. But after a point, you got to make a choice. It, it, it's just, Lord, help us to do what you want us to do. Our mindset, we're like, God, what can you do for me? Remember John the Baptist? I mean, wild as he was, he just said, I, I must decrease and he must increase. That's what our attitude should be. Lord, that's not what you can do for me. I mean, it's kind of a byproduct. When you start serving God with all your heart, you would not, maybe you would. I, hopefully you'll believe the, the incredible things. I could tell that guy that was like, oh, I want to be a senior pastor. Dude, let me tell you, this didn't come easy. 
This came with sacrifice and obedience, and I thank God for it. What would happen if we would say, Lord, for you, not for me? Here's a newsflash. God's already done everything you need. Jesus isn't going back to the cross. Everything that you need has been provided for. You know, the best gift we could give him is to lay down our lives for the kingdom. Now, there's people that be like, I mean, literally? Well, I'm not really saying like literally. Now, there are places in this country where that kind of stuff happens, but I'm, I'm just saying being obedient. Lord, everything I have is yours. What do you want me to do? I'm just the steward over all of it. You know, Judas was turning into Smeagol. The precious. <laughs> What's Taters, precious? What's Taters? He's turning into, you know, because he understands, hey, if, if, if I would have had all that money, I could have had more. I could have snuck more out. The Bible calls him a thief because he had the money box. I don't know if you've thought of this, but I'm just going to toss it out there. Who gave him the money box? Who's in charge of these band of guys? Jesus. Jesus gave him the money box. Do you think he knew he was a thief when he gave him charge of the money box? Hmm. The Bible says that God knows you when you were in your mama's womb. And a year before Jesus gets betrayed, he says, he chose all 12, and he said, but one of you is a devil. He knew. He knew. So here's the thing. I think that Jesus didn't set Judas up for failure, but he set him up for success. Judas, this is an issue with you. Let's fix it. You know, every one of us has a giant. Sooner or later... You got to face the giant. Judas had an opportunity. First Corinthians ten thirteen: The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, He will show you a way out so you can endure. I can't say I've always taken every way out. Have you? God has always given you a way, but it doesn't mean that we always take it. Let's be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and, and look for the way. Let's take this and let's plug this in with tithing. This whole theory with Judas. He's taking money in the offering box. Jesus is a traveling evangelist. People are giving to the ministry so Jesus can do the things that God has called him to do because he is God in the flesh, you know. And so he's doing this so people are you know, making sure they have food to eat and all that kind of stuff. And Judas is helping himself in there. Nobody would take God's money out of the offering box or bag, would we? Nobody here. Well, let's say if we don't take it out, let's just say we don't put it in. We just keep it. Is there a difference? I'm just, I'm just asking. Now, the difference is it's, a, it's one less action. You get the same result. If you don't give it, you just keep it. It doesn't go in there, so you don't have to take it back out. It's still stealing from the Lord. 
Here comes our second point. Extravagance of generosity. This is one year's wage. When they talk about denarii, they're talking about a day's wage, and they're saying 300 of them. So after the Sabbaths and the holidays, so this is worth about 300 denarii. That's, they're talking about a whole year's wage, a whole year's salary. She gave one year's salary to the Lord. I mean, could you imagine getting one check and just saying, here you go. Here you go. It's, it seems almost ludicrous. Like, oh my word, wh- why would you even do that? But see, God has plans, and you need to be obedient. I want to dig a little deeper. What she did certainly is extravagant. What would we give if we were giving God something? What would that be? How much gold would it take to impress God? How much money would it take? If I could write a check, what would impress God? A million dollars, a billion dollars, a quazillion dollars? Is there anything like that? But I mean, what would impress? If up in heaven it talks about God's house, it talks about heaven itself, streets are made of gold, gates are of pearl and rubies and all that. It's not that he's showing off, it's just that stuff's lying around, he's just doing something with it. So what I'm saying is, money is not the exchange up in heaven. It, It works down here, but not up there. How would that impress God? Sam's got a 10 point buck on his wall at his house, you know? When he, he said, Dad, I want to sow a seed for that. I want to believe God for that. You know how much he sowed? I just told a guy last night at Pastor Gary's church because the guy was asking me a story. And I said, this is a good one. $1.50. <laughs> but you know what? He didn't buy God. He was just saying, Lord, I want to release my faith with the seed. And that's what he did. He's got a buck on his wall, 10 points, just like he declared to prove it. Pretty incredible. And we'll teach you all of those things, but we've got to get our heart right. Let me just remind you, no matter what we have, and we're thinking, I'm going to impress God. We were in a service one time, and I was, it upset me. I was going to say appalled. That's a word, right? Appalled's a word. Okay. I was appalled. Not a petered. I was appalled. We were getting ready to give, and so Kim and I are givers. We're, uh, and, and the comment was made from the platform, if you can only give a measly $100, you know what we were writing the check out for? $100. They were, you should be ashamed, something like that. I wanted to take the pen and say, hey, shoo, Maybe $100 isn't much to you, but we've already tithed and we've already give offering. This is above that. This is coming out of something we didn't have. Come on, somebody. What is something to someone else might not be something. You don't have that kind of right. You are not God. It upset us. And in in that particular service, they received like five offerings that night. And I was like, geez, if I was a cow, I'd be milked. We got this wrong. This is about heart. This is about you saying, God, everything I have is yours. And at any time, if you want it all, you can have it because it's not mine. But it's not about whether it's $100 or a buck fifty or $10. It's about God. And it's about your heart. 
They didn't get our $100, I don't think. I don't know that we sewed it. If we did, it probably wasn't with the right heart. <laughs> but God owns it all. But let me show you something. 2 Corinthians 8, 3, and 5. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, as they did it of their own free will. Check that out. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So you want to give God something that will impress him? You, all of us want to do that. Here's what he wants. He wants you. That's what he wants. He wants you. He wants all of you. He wants all of your heart. He wants everything that's inside that says, God, all to thee I surrender. All to thee I freely give. In him we live, we move, we have our being. That's what he wants. He wants people that will worship him in spirit and truth. He wants people that will obey him. He wants people that will just say, whatever you say, I'm in the army, sir. That's what he wants. Can I just also say that when he, you give yourself to him, your checkbook and your wallet goes with you. Because it's all his. It doesn't do you any good to say, God, you can have everything I have except my wallet. God says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Remember that your treasure leads and your heart follows your treasure. There's three levels of giving in the Bible. There's tithe, there's offering, and then there is... We could call it painful offering or extravagant or, you know, generous or just above the top or over and above, however you want to say it. But according to surveys, most believers never get to the first level. That's almost shocking. But out of 100 people, statistics say that 5 out of 100 give tithe. Most people never get the first level. And let me remind you, this is what the first level is. 10% of your gross income to the church, undesignated. You don't designate it. You don't designate something that's not yours. You bring it to the Lord. You can designate your offering, but not your tithe. But people love control. So that's some things. Those are strongholds that need to be broken. Every person, look at this, that gets to the first level, every person, check it out, gets to the second level. If you go to the first level, you'll get to the second because the curse is removed. The devourer is rebuked. God said, this is the only place in Scripture, God says he'll rebuke the devourer. So curse is removed, devourer uh, is rebuked, and the windows of heaven are open. So much that there'll be times that you're like, this is, this is awesome, God. It's just, I don't even have room to receive it. But the people that never get to the first level, that refuse to do that, never live with the curse removed. Never. Never have the devourer rebuked. Never. Never have the windows of heaven open. Never. Turn to your neighbor and say, never. They just go to never, never land, and they never grow up. We have to understand that God is, he wants all of you. There are a few people that will go to the third level. Those extravagant offerings or painful giving or those over the top where... You know, we've told you things where God said, I want you to give all of that, what you sold that to, give it all to the church. I don't want to give it all to the church. Give it all to the church. I'm like, oh, okay. So sometimes, you know, and then the enemy does, he works on you before you give it, and he works on you after you give it. See, if you wouldn't have gave that, you'd still have that money. 
but we have a supernatural God. Remember the girl that anointed Jesus' feet? She was just being obedient. I don't know that she really even knew the reason. But he said this, leave her alone. She did this for my burial. This is the only anointing that his body got. You need to understand that. If you remember how all this played out, they didn't have time to anoint his body. He was just taken off, put in. That's why they were coming back on that third day, on that Sunday, to anoint his body. She did it. And Jesus knew it. And he declared it. She poured the whole thing out, not trying to save herself any, just total obedience. I told in the first service a story of a couple, they'd not been married too long, and they had started to get into, you know, their understanding, tithing, and giving, and so they were excited about what the Lord was doing in their life, and God was blessing them, and, and uh, you need to see stories of how this really works. You need to see, and PK and I have been talking about, we need to have people come up and go, here's real stories. You need to hear real people besides just me. That just said, this worked. I mean, this, I can't even explain, but here's what we did and here's what God did. But nonetheless, this is what they did. They somehow got a, another bonus check, and it was a fairly large check. And they took it in, they prayed about it. And, you know, when you get a big uh, amount of money, if you want to do something with it, obviously, you, you know, you have plans or you, you could do something, whether you invest it or Disney World it or whatever you want to do with it. You know, they both prayed and felt they were to give it to the church. Now, I'm not saying this for that to, I'm not, there's no double meaning here. You want to send me hate mail? Don't do it, because I won't read it. Okay, listen, I'm just trying to make a point. What they did, they, they both were in agreement. How many knows agreement is a powerful thing? So they both felt, let's do that. So they go to the pastor and say, here's what we're doing. And he said, they said, is there anything that we could just, you know, give this as an offering to, you know, we'll tithe off of it and all that we do and give this as an offering. And he said, I just met yesterday with a widow woman that her husband just passed away. The mortgage company called the loan on her house and said, if you don't pay the whole thing, we're taking the house. And they said, oh, you're kidding. He said, could I see the check, please? And they said, sure. They handed him the check. He turns around, he pulls up the mortgage paper from the widow woman and the check and the mortgage are the exact amount. What are the chances of that? See, that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people that will be like, I can use you. And again, think of those three guys. Remember the three guys that were going to take care of PK while I was gone? The one guy gave 2000 and the one guy wasn't given anything and I took the money from him and gave it to the guy. Because people that follow the Lord, fact is, get more. Because they're trustworthy. Here's our last one. The reward of generosity. Mark 14, 3 through 9. Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in the beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made of essence of nard. She broke open the jar, poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly, but Jesus said, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. You can help them whenever you want, but you will not always have me. She's done what 
she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, whatever the good news is, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, the woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. This is the same story from Matthew, but now that in this story, it's poured on his head. But she didn't come expecting a reward. She wasn't doing it to be the rich and the famous or to get mentioned in the Bible. She, she didn't know about any of that. She's doing it because something inside said, this is the Lamb of God. There's something. So why? Why such a big gift? Why? Why couldn't it have been just like Martha? Why, you know, hey, this is great. This would be a great meal. This is great. I've done everything I could. Why? Because listen to me now. Her brother just had been raised a couple months prior. She had a different perspective. What's your perspective like? What has Jesus done for you? Aren't we all dead? All of sinned and fall short of the glory. The wages of sin is death. Thank God for Christ because he came so that he washed our sins away. I once was lost, but now I'm found. It's what Jesus did on the cross. It's everything that he did, everything that he went through, so you could live forever with him. It should change our perspective. You see, generosity comes out of gratitude, thankfulness. She didn't expect to be rewarded, but this is what God is. He is a rewarder. You know, that scripture says God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That word rewarder, I don't even think it's in the dictionary, but it's from two Greek words. It's, it says one is very common. It means to hire or pay wages. The other means to give extravagantly over and above what is normally due the person. Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's why this whole thing about fixing the money is giving first, fruit first, faith first. It doesn't take any faith to wait till it's all over. What are you telling me? I'm just telling you if you follow God, God cannot not reward you. He has to reward you. He will bless you. Well, Brett, I don't want it to. I'm sorry. You're going to get blessed. There's nothing I can do about it. It's not in my domain to change that. That's what he does. So this is the age-old battle with selfishness, generosity. What is big for you Maybe small for somebody. Remember the widow's mite? For her, it was huge. For other people, they're like, I don't know what's in your box, your jar. I don't know where you've all been, but I can tell you if you're willing to pour it out, that's what he wants.
through the tears that made her Such pain, some spoke in anger, heard folks whisper, there's no place here for guns. Still on she came, through the shame that flushed her face, until at last she knelt before his feet. And though she spoke no words, everything she said was heard. As she poured her love for the master from her box of alabaster, and I come to pour my praise on him like all from Mary's don't be angry if I wash his feet with my tears and I dry them with my hair. You weren't there, the light he found me. You To the sin that had me bound. I spent my days, poured my life without measure into a little treasure box.
you bow your heads, please? Father, this morning, I don't know the cost of the different jars of oil in this room. But if you're here this morning and you're saying, PB, that's, that's me, would you pray with me? I, I want Jesus more than anything else. We'll all pray together. We won't single you out. We won't embarrass you. But if that's you, just put your hand in the air. I want to pray this morning. Father, we just love you today. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence, to serve you with gladness, with our whole self. Lord, I pray as we continue in one more week in this series, Lord, that you continue to reveal truths to us as we just yield to you, total obedience. And we give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.